Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you will enjoy this weekly resource. Good morning. How's it going? Happy Sunday. Everybody enjoy their day yesterday? Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your constant presence and for your abiding love. Let your familiar words fall fresh upon us this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to look at a scripture taken from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. It was in his first letter, and it's the very last scripture of chapter 15. It's number 58. And contained within the whole chapter of 15 is a lot of stuff we already know. It's stuff that we have heard probably every Sunday that we come in here. Every time we say the Apostles' Creed, Paul has filled chapter 15 up with this, his own creed, because it was written well, well before the Apostles' Creed was agreed upon. And so some of what we'll share today and talk about today is going to sound familiar. It's going to kind of sound like, I think I know this. But if you're anything like me, I need reminders. I need reminders to keep me in line. I need to be reminded to uh, live the life that I say that I'm living and professing as a Christian. And so that's a lot of what Paul's trying to tell the people of Corinth, and I believe us, this morning. This kind of came from when Jeremy was doing his series on the gospel, and I started to think about, what does my life look like every day? Because we can talk about reading the gospel in a book. We can talk about living out your Christian faith. You can talk about being a follower of Jesus Christ. But when he said that you may be the only gospel anyone reads, it really struck me. I've heard it before. And every time I hear it, I'm kind of like, ooh, I need to self-check. So if that's the truth, which I believe it is, I think that's what Paul is trying to tell the people of Corinth. This is what he said to him: Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is the verse that I think kind of ends that chapter for a reason, because I think what he's doing is he's reminding them what he's already taught them. He's reminding them what they already know. He's reminding them that while they're on earth, they're going to live out this Christian walk until they can go and live eternally with Christ. And I believe in verse 58 what Paul is saying is because I have told you about the life of Christ, because I have told you about the death of Christ, and because I have told you about the resurrection of Christ, remember who you are. And remember who went before you and what he did for you so that as you are telling other people about Christ's presence in your life, you're basing it on something you truly believe, something you feel 100% you know, so that they will too. And I think Paul wants them to. When you read Paul's letters, I don't know about you, 
this is not just Corinthians. When, you, when I read Paul's letters, I'm always like, great, he kind of put something out there. Like, here's what you need to do. Now, sometimes immediately he gives you the how-to, and sometimes he doesn't. But I'm always asking Paul, okay, great, I can do that, but you need to tell me how to do it. Or I can do that, but tell me where I find this in the rest of the letter. So how do I know the difference between whether the Lord's calling me to do something, whether I'm supposed to labor for the Lord, or if it's something I just want to do, because it's my hobby. How do I know if I'm choosing what satisfies my need to respond, or if God is asking me to move? What if God isn't asking me to move at all, and I do it anyway? I might be robbing somebody else of their joy of helping. And how do I know when I'm doing anything for the Lord in vain? These are all questions that I was thinking about when I read this, because I, I don't know that I could so easily answer them. I'd like to say, oh yeah, I'm doing what the Lord wants, and I know that I'm supposed to do this thing, and it's definitely not in vain, because if it was in vain, would I be doing what the Lord wants? And I could talk myself into anything. But I also think that there's a really important part of um, listening, and that's discernment. And so sometimes the work looks a little bit different. Throughout chapter 15, Paul reminds the people of Corinth to continue to tell their story, their story of God's activity in their life, their story of Jesus' redemption in their life. Because as they tell the story, and it's based on these truths, these facts, these things they've already learned, then more people will hear the story, and more people will come to understand what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. And that's the point. That's the good news. And Paul's only goal is to spread the good news to as many people as he can so they too could have this relationship. Paul says, I don't deserve to be included in that inner circle. As you well know, having spent all the early years trying my best to stamp God's church right out of existence. And what Paul's talking about is we don't always get it right. We don't always do the right thing, say the right thing, but it's, it's about getting with God and understanding what it is that God is asking you to do and then getting out of the way and letting God use your life to do what God wants done. And so Paul's like, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be able to do this. I was horrible. I didn't even want the church to survive. I didn't even believe that Jesus existed. And yet here my life is being used to further the kingdom. He acknowledged that he did not always reflect a Christ-like attitude or that he did not live his life as a Christian. And he also says that it is because of who God is, not because of anything he's done and not because of who he is. And God's grace has redeemed him. God's grace gives him the power. God's grace gives him everything he needs to accomplish what God wants him to do. He said it like this, and this is from the message. But because God was so gracious and so very generous, here I am. And I'm not about to let his grace go to waste. Haven't I worked hard trying to do more than any of the others? Even then, my work didn't amount to all that much. It was God giving me the work to do. God giving me the energy to do it. So whether you heard it from me or from the others, it's all the same. We spoke God's truth, and you entrusted your lives. And I think Paul is reminding us that there's not one single person leading the pack for Jesus. That it's the body of Christ. That it goes like this. 
And that if you heard it from this person or this person spoke to you or this story impacted your life, whatever got you to a point where you understand your relationship with Christ in a much deeper way, that person is representing Christ just as much as the next. Personally speaking, do you know what God is calling you to do, the work that God is calling you to do? Maybe professionally, maybe not. Maybe in your spare time. Maybe in your quiet time. There's all kinds of work that we could be doing. As Christians, our work is to live a life that reflects that we understand the gospel. And then we go live that out. We heard from Jeremy about the perspectives of the four different gospel writers, and then the fifth one where he said, and now it's the gospel according to you. I think something he said prompted me to start thinking about all of this, and it was what I said from the beginning, that you may be the gospel, the only gospel somebody reads. And I really had to stop and think about what does that look like day to day? What does that look like in this building? What does that look like in Athens, Georgia? What does that look like when I'm with my family? And it's a, it's a different perspective. It's a little bit of a twist on it. Do our lives tell others that we're Christ's followers? Day in and day out, do our words and actions reflect the joy that comes from being in relationship with Christ? Do we surround ourselves with Christians so that maybe we can be challenged with conversations or held accountable for our behavior? Doing this kind of work, which is work, draws us nearer to Christ. And we all define work in different ways. I think we do. This weekend, we're celebrating a rest from work. I was reading about Labor Day and how it started and why we still celebrate it. And it says, Labor Day pays tribute to the contributions and achievements of American workers. It was created by the labor movement in the late 19th century and became a federal holiday in 1894. At the height of the Industrial Revolution in the United States, the average American worker worked 12 hours days, seven days a week, just to make ends meet. People of all ages were forced to work in extreme situations and working conditions. And oddly enough, tomorrow is September 5th. And on September 5th, 1882, 10,000 workers in New York decided that they were going to march from City Hall to Union Square. And they all took the day off without any pay. And it was the first Labor Day parade. And from that day forward, the first Monday in September, was considered a day of rest, and it was to celebrate all those who work so hard in America. I thought that was really cool. I think we can agree that the work that Paul is talking about and the work that we're resting from this weekend are two different things. However, I do think that he is reminding us that no matter what we do, we do for the Lord. So whether we are in our homes, in our workplace, in our school, in our office, in our homes, or just with each other. Everything we do, we do unto the Lord. As a member of the body of Christ, you have the opportunity to witness to what Christ is doing in your life every day, all day. We can do it when we're gathering with friends. We can do it when we're at a football game. 
we have the opportunity to either draw people closer to a relationship with Christ and one another, but we also have opportunity to turn them away from it, depending on what it is that we do and say. I think a way to kind of get centered in this is to spend time in Scripture. I mean, it's just, it's, it is a great spiritual practice, but more than that, it allows you to get to know who God is, the character of God. And when you know the character of someone, you become friends with them. And when you're friends with someone, you know how they talk to you and how they speak to you. And maybe they speak to your heart, or maybe they use other people to tell you things, to prompt you, to move, to do. The Holy Spirit will find a way to speak to you if you seek it. And I think that being in the Scriptures allows us to allow God to prompt us in our life to do the work that God's calling us to do. Being in the Word of God also helps us grow in our knowledge of what it means to further the kingdom. We can say that. We can say we think we know what it is. But throughout Scripture, you can read about what it really means to further the kingdom of God here. Have you ever had a feeling that God was nudging you to do something? Not just at church. Not just, you know, lead an entire 42-week confirmation study class. <laughs> but really anywhere in your life. And you get that little nudge and you really want to respond. But you're not really sure about what those first steps are. It can be really hard to know what's that step. What, how do I know where this is going to take me. And in the context of this setting, we really do strive hard to be welcoming and to be inviting and to find ways to share what's going on. We, we try to communicate as much as we can. We've made the steeple come out electronically. I, I said that the other day and Jeremy laughed at me, digitally. Um, and then we have it in paper on Sunday. We've made it colorful. We've shortened it. We spend hours trying to figure out the right word that will let you know just how much we desire for you to come and be a part of what's going on in the life of this church. And I've said it a thousand times, it's not because God needs us here, but it's because we get to be here. We are invited to participate in what God is doing in this place, and the more the merrier. We really do want you to know how to take those first steps. I mean, if you look at the back of the bulletin now, you've got our names, our telephone numbers, our emails. These are our cell phone numbers. And we want you to use them if you have prayer requests, if you hear of somebody who is in need of a visit or sick or in the hospital, because if they don't call and tell us, we don't know. So if you know and you can share that with us, we would love it. And what that does is it just keeps us connected. It keeps us taking care of one another, and it keeps us nurturing this community of faith. And you never know when it might be you that ends up there that needs to visit. I think that most importantly, we do the work that Paul is talking about, not so that we can just do the work. We grow and we learn and we keep working at it so that it becomes a part of our DNA. It becomes so natural to us to be Christ to others, to follow in Christ's footsteps, to be welcoming, to be hospitable, to be all the things Jesus to everyone. Because we are working at it. We're learning and we're growing and we're making mistakes and we're forgiving and we're moving forward. But if the mission and the ministry of the church is the only thing we do, 
If every time it's like something we do and not something we are, then every single time we have a new leader and every time that leader changes or every time we have a staff and that staff changes, well then do we keep doing those things or was that exclusive to a person? But if it's who we are, then we love with the love of Jesus Christ because that's just who we are. And it doesn't matter who comes and goes because it becomes the DNA of all of us. And I think that is a very welcoming place to walk into. I also think what Paul is saying is that know who you are and then go live it out. You can't live out what you do not know. And as a downtown church, we made a commitment many years ago to be a downtown church. We know who we are. We know our identity. We are a traditional downtown church, and both our services are the same. Aren't you glad, Jeremy? And we know who we are, and we're living into that, and we're not trying to be something different, because little by little, it has crept into our DNA, and that's why people are here. That's why people come visit. That's why people stay. And you know what? Maybe that's why some people leave. But as a commitment to being a downtown church, we're also committed to being a downtown community. So we don't just sit in this building, we go out. Right? We go out to campus. We let campus come here. We go out to Bethel. Bethel comes here. We go to different variety of places all downtown so that we're not always sitting in here waiting for people to come who need. We go out and try to meet them where they are. And I love that about our DNA. I love that about how we commit to further God's kingdom in that way. So what does this mean for you and me? I believe that we know that we are individuals seeking a deeper relationship with Christ daily. And I believe as a church, we are a church that wants to grow in our relationship and, and tangibly offer Christ to people in our actions, in our words, in our missions, in our efforts. But Paul says we have to do this fully, not part-time, not every now and then, not weekly, but fully. And for me, fully means every day, day in, day out, and every minute. So how can we do that? How do we know that we are where the Lord wants us to be? For me, it's when I have peace. Regardless of my circumstances, regardless of what's going on in my life, regardless of what the day has brought, if you can have that peace in your heart and you know that that comes from the Lord, you can do anything. And that's the goal. The goal is to be able to do anything that you're called upon to do, but to have the peace to do it. And to fully devote our lives to living out the gospel means that we depend on the wisdom and the strength of the Lord. It means we love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. It means we love our neighbors as ourselves. It means all the things that I told you at the very beginning were very familiar, but we all need to be reminded about. For Paul, it means that you give your life to the work of the Lord, and you live fully in that, and you reflect Christ in this world. I know that we can do that on Sundays. It's a great day. People are happy. They're not at work. They get tomorrow off. And then you can come back on Wednesday, and you can see the energy that is on Wednesdays. Last Wednesday was so much fun. 
And there were probably over 200 people in Hancock Hall. Every age, every stage, doesn't matter. But it was so fun to be together and to get to share that fellowship and to get to share that just relationship building, honestly. But I'm not talking about that kind of work, the planned work. What about the, the work that happens in the quiet of your own heart and mind? What about the questions that are probed, caused by the Holy Spirit for you to think about? When you're home and it's quiet, maybe when you're studying, maybe when you're just sitting. What do we do with those moments? If we're not careful and no one's looking and we're not held accountable, we can kind of cheapen God's grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor and a theologian who was opposed to the Nazis. Uh, he originated the understanding of cheap grace, and he defined it like this. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. He said cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus. In other words, and I'm oversimplifying this, he recognized how some were abusing the biblical doctrine of grace, and he said that we can begin to live and profess ourselves to be Christians, but when our lives do not reflect the work of Christ in this world, then we compromise the witness. When we do not adhere to the obedience of God's commands of holiness, then we do not show others that Jesus is Lord of our lives. Paul writes again from the message, and I loved reading this because it was so, it kind of just really struck me. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. I believe that we are a church who is seeking more than to be just inspired by the life of Christ. I believe we are a church who is seeking the gospel so that we are propelled out in this world to be a light, and in this community, and in all the places that we go from here. This is discipleship. It's what we say our mission is. We say that we are making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Well, the world starts here, and then it starts one step outside of here until we've reached where we need to be. And so I believe that that's what we're shooting for, and I believe that's the work that we have ahead for us. I believe that we're always thinking about where we've been and where we're going, and sometimes if we get trapped in these distractions of these places, then we don't see where we are. And that's living in the now. Living in the now means we're going to live for today. We're going to learn from yesterday. We're going to take everything and make it what we need to. And we're going to hope for the future. But we're going to live in the now. And that way maybe we won't miss something that God has in store for us. And we won't miss a gift of grace that maybe we overlooked if we'd only be looking I believe when we live in the now, we can forgive ourselves for mistakes and regrets. And Paul puts it this way, we can press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call from God in Christ Jesus. Lastly, Paul says, let everything you do be done in the name of the Lord. 
Our response to God is a response to the love that we first received. Sometimes I feel myself trying to discern what I'm responding to. And sometimes this word work means sitting still. Sometimes just being still and listening will bring you your answer. So each day, as we're trying to figure out what we'll sign up for, what we'll lead, whether we'll teach, whether we'll take that carpool shift, whatever, I think it's time that we be still and seek what it is that God wants from us and make sure that aligns with what we're hearing. We're all seed planners. We all play a part. And we don't have the outcome. But that's the fun of being together. My sister planted a garden not long ago, and it took her several months, and she's never done anything like this before. And I was like, how did you do that? And she's like, I planted a bunch of seeds, and they grew. I'm like, okay, but I don't think it was that easy. I mean, these were squash, bright yellow squash, cucumbers. She had never done anything like this. But she nurtured her seeds, and she took care of her seeds, and she tended that garden, and her reward was great. And that's what God has for us. So friends, I'm excited. We have a lot to be excited about. We have spent years listening and learning and growing. We have shared life. We have shared joys and we have shared sadness. We have shared God's word and we get to be here together. And I'm excited that we have new folks coming in too, that they're all over hospitality and how can we offer it and change it and do it and grow it and and I'm excited that Wednesday nights are buzzing and it's loud and I almost tripped over a two-year-old Wednesday. I love it. I love getting them off the stage and then they jump over me and I'm just like, I'm not watching. I'm excited that we have a congregation that is sincere about loving God and loving one another. So I'm looking forward to what's coming. And I understand what we've had and I'm going to live in the now because I don't want to miss anything that God has in store for us. So let us stand firm and let nothing move us away from all that God has planned for our church. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are the ultimate gift giver. Teach us, O oh Lord, how to listen for your voice and respond in the work you have planned specifically for each of us. Guide us as we serve to further your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC.org.